Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and we're going to go right to the phones. Is joining us one of our regular and favorite contributors from Tightline Outdoors, Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I got to admit, Nate, that when I hear that open and I hear the fish and then I hear the elk bugling and the whole thing, I do think about you because you really <laughs> cross all those, all, those, uh, all those activities. You know, if we try to cover so much of the outdoors, and you just uh, – you do it all, my friend, and we appreciate your input. Uh, I, I appreciate nice that. I try to stay busy keeping it, up on all of it. It's, uh, it's a chore, but I love doing it. Yeah, well, you know, that's something I tell people. I said, I work so hard at my job, but uh, my neighbor told me, I told my neighbor once, I said, one of these days I'm going to retire. And he goes, how do you retire from fishing? He goes, isn't that what you do when you retire? <laughs> so we are blessed. Uh, it's probably the, the size of our job people don't see. We're not on the water or not in the media. It's more work than people know, but uh, we're very blessed. We're very blessed to have had the, the outdoors so entwined in our lives because I, I can't think of another thing I'd rather do. That's it. You know, I, uh, yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd say it's uh, it's a hundred times I'd say more work than people see, uh, but we don't get sympathy from anybody. So, uh, yeah, so so lucky to be able to, to fish and hunt for uh, for a living full time. So, yeah, excited about it. And you know, it, it's just the the more you get involved in, like you said, if you start to ter- partake in, you know, all the the hunting opportunities and all the fishing opportunities, between, <clears throat> excuse me, ice and open water and fly fishing, um, the calendar never slows down. You know, so many anglers have one tactic or style um you know and then obviously you have slow seasons and you have your busy seasons but when you partake in everything uh colorado is such a fortunate place to live you know we keep talking i know you have buddies in minnesota i have buddies in minnesota you know talking about opener a walleye and you know a lot of states you know they close down species and or they just don't have the opportunities that we have with the elevation that we live in you know we we have ice fishing like six months out of the year we have open water all year if we choose to to seek out those bodies of water um you know we have something going literally year round uh here in Colorado and you know just watching guys that haven't fished since mid February for walleye in Minnesota um you know they're chomping at the bit and we're so lucky to have all the opportunities that we do here in Colorado and and not only just opportunities but really good opportunities at all these fish and, and all the opportunities and all the animals we can hunt. Oh, we have tremendous opportunities. And I know one of the things that you love this time of the year, it, it's if you want to catch a big pike, now they're probably spawned out, so they may have lost just a little bit of weight. But as far as length and size of a pike right now, the pike of a lifetime, this, this right now may be one of your best opportunities. Absolutely, Terry, 100%. I would say that, you know, all our fisheries kind of come in and out at different times. Um, so like a, a small body of water like Terriol, we're 100% post-spawn. Um, spinny, we're probably sitting at probably close to 70 to 80% post-spawn. Uh, 11 Mile is just a little bit behind the time, so 11 Mile is a little slower. We're probably at 60% post-spawn. Um, but no matter the case, absolutely, you know, we, we have tremendous pike fishing here. Um, and I'm not going to lie, when you start talking about mature, you know, 10, 11-year-old 
40 to 44 or 45 inch fish. Um, I mean, these fish are feeding on a big food source. You know, they're eating suckers and rainbows and perch, but their average meal is 10, 12 inches. Um, and when they get that big, I don't want to say they get smart, but they just get a little picky on what they feed on. They're used to big meals. They know what they want to do. Um, so tricking that fish can be, you know, a, a challenge from time to time. But when they're in post-spawn, when they haven't ate for several weeks, um, I mean, right now you have the, the combination of being very hungry and you have the combination of just being kind of aggravated. Uh, whatever reason, the, the females tend to get a little grumpy right now. Uh, the males kind of get grumpy. They're, they're very, you know, just we'll say hormonal, we'll say this time of year. Um, and they are aggressive and they are ready to attack anything um so it's a great time to target these huge pike and again the opportunity that exists now doesn't necessarily exist the entire year you get three weeks of that post spawn where they're hungry where they're grumpy um and it, it really leads to a great fishing bite right now an opportunity for anglers well you know and i know you're going to go on and talk about tactics and time of day and things like that but you, you hit a great point and i used to see this in minnesota all the time when i first moved out to colorado i saw it a lot where people would get conditioned that these big pike are available in the spring and as summer progressed they would now not that you couldn't catch any of them shallow but they typically weren't there later on yet everybody fished for them there and you'd hear the pike only bite in the spring you know and that's not true it's just they're harder to find and it takes different tactics but right now they're probably available to more overall angling techniques and to more anglers whether shore or boat than any other time of the year Absolutely, Terry. They're, they're, they're just available. I agree 100%. And they're they're looking for food. You know, once these fish regain all that weight back and they get just a little bit more, you know, condition there, they feel good, they don't cover as much ground. That's where right now they're gorging. So they're moving around. They're in a lot of opportunities. They, they're spending the, the cooler temps. So the early in the day, late in the day, they're staying in deeper water. As the sun comes up, warms the shallows, those fish slide shallow to kind of warm up. Uh, you know, just warm up their whole body. So, again, you just have a lot of movement, which, again, just happens to put the fish in front of more anglers so your odds go up. And, again, not having to be as picky. I mean, again, when you deal with a fish that feeds on, say, rainbows, for example, you know, our trout fisheries, they receive, you know, 20, 30, 50,000 catchable rainbows stocked a season. So these fish have plenty of food, and that's really what is the difference between a Colorado pike and a Midwest pike. You know, in Colorado, our fish have ample food and no predators. So our fish, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but they just get picky. Things have to be right. Uh, I mean, if you put a bait too far away from them, they just don't feed on it. It's too much energy to exert to go catch that food source, as opposed to uh, a Midwest fish, you know, a pike there. It has competition from muskie, from bass, from walleye, you know, so many other predators that those pike get aggressive. They know if they don't take it now, that opportunity is gone. As where our fish are like, yeah, if I don't eat that, it'll be another, you know, 20 seconds and another rainbow is going to swim by. So our fish get picky. Um, so this time of year, they're willing to take a lot of different baits and a lot of different opportunities. Once they're full, things have to be just right. You kind of have to cater that fish, bring it to them. It has to be the right color, the right action. Um, and that's what's great about the spring is they're just they're willing to oversee a lot of things just to, to stock up on that, that ultimate food source and gain some weight. So right now is the time to go out. Um, but with that being said, I will say 
the biggest difference uh, of what you're actually doing versus what is in most people's heads for these pike is everything now is slow and boring. Um, so many of us, you know, when you look at big pike lures, you think about big inline spinners, and you think about big swim baits and all these cool looking baits that you swim through the water. And you're like, man, that looks just like a rainbow. When in reality, this time of year, you want minimal action and you want minimal speed. So if you want to go out and have an amazing day on big pike right now, we're fishing big stick baits. So long, slender stick baits. On the small side, you're throwing seven inch baits. On the big side, you're throwing 10, 12 inch baits. Um, you know, musky style, big stick baits. And the biggest thing you're doing is you're casting them out and you are reeling them in. I don't add a twitch. I, I hardly add a pause. I literally cast it out, put the rod tip low, and reel it back in slow. When you look at the bait, it's hardly moving. It doesn't roll side to side. It doesn't go back and forth. It literally just kind of comes back in straight as a board. Um, and in your head, you're like, that is awful. Nothing's going to grab it. But they absolutely love it. Uh, even this time of year, I would say that the biggest thing that these pike are, are attacking is each other. You have a big 40-inch pike, and if a little 15-inch pike swims next to it, they absolutely tear the thing apart. Um, it's just kind of part of their system. And if you look at pike swim in the water, they literally kick that tail barely, and they glide for 15, 20 feet. They kick that tail, and they glide. Um, and that's really what you want your baits doing, just minimal action. Make it easy on these pike. And in the pike's head, they're like, hey, that's too good to pass up. Let's take it. So, again, you're going to go pike fishing. Slow and boring is the key to success on these giant toothy critters this time of year. It won't be boring after they bite it, I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know, and, and we talk about that. And, you know, Terry, you fished all around the world. Um, I personally have pike fished all across the Midwest and all the provinces of Canada. Um, I will agree that there's a lot of places you can pike fish where you're going to catch more fish. Um, no doubt about it. I don't think Colorado, I mean, we have our days, but generally speaking, I wouldn't say we're the place to go to catch, you know, numbers and, and hundreds and hundreds of pike in a day. But when you're talking sheer big fish, you want to catch that fish of a lifetime. You want to try to catch a fish that weighs 30 pounds. Um, I don't think there's anywhere better in the country right now. Um, I mean, European pike are going to get a little bigger than ours, but I mean, I've been to, again, the most remote fly-in places. I've fished pike everywhere, um, and my top 10 pike are all Colorado. I mean, when you talk to anglers that chase around, you're a good friend, Doug Stange. Um, you know, we, we keep in communication with the in-fisherman crew who chases pike all across the country, um, and those biggest fish are most always right here because we have a rainbow trout food source, which is a higher protein, more oil-based food source, which grows our fish bigger. You know, we can get a 30 pound fish in the ideal situation and that fish is only going to be 44 45 inches everywhere else in the country if you want to touch 30 pounds you're going to be at a 50 inch fish um so our fish are just notoriously wider taller fatter um so again the opportunity at trophy fish is absolutely at our doorsteps in our backyards um and this is the time of year to go take advantage of those those once in a lifetime type fish uh that live right here and again you you dial it in um the opportunity is good it's not like uh it, it's a, a whim and, a, and a, you know a slight odds of catching these you can dial these fish in you can catch you know great opportunities at huge fish every day when you get out there well, i couldn't agree more and you mentioned i fish all over the world uh from the remote Alaska uh, rivers that have giant pike to, you know, from the Arctic Circle to the equator. And 
I think at least three of my top 10 pike have come in Colorado and I don't focus on them that much. There's so much to do here that, uh, you know, I'm an avid bass angler. I love, I do fly fishing. So for the amount of time I focus on them for me to catch as many big pike as I have in Colorado is phenomenal. And, you know, even, uh, uh, a fishery like you know, a, a Terriol or if you go down to Navajo Reservoir that has a, a more maybe more numbers, there's still big fish in there, but you can catch 20, <clears throat> 25 pike in that 25 to 35 inch range, Nate. Yep. Absolutely. It's, it's, and like you said, you know, the, the pike fishers that we have are, are very prevalent. You know, when I look at your biggest fish fisheries, so I just want the sheer biggest fish, you know, my, my head basically goes to like spinny 11 mile um, Williams Fork stagecoach, uh, definitely tremendous, you know, huge fish fishers. But like you said, talking more numbers. Um, yeah, the Navajo and then the list kind of goes on of a lot of different fisheries. Um, so really from the northern portion of the state all the way to down south. Um, those opportunities exist for those big fish. Um, and again, the biggest thing is cater to those fish, big tackle, um, you know, big baits. It's not so much like big baits, big fish. It's more the fact that those big fish are so used and accustomed to feeding on a bigger food source. When you go out there and throw smaller stuff to them, it, it's just not as appetizing to them. It's a lot of work for a little reward. Um, so that bigger bait, again, I, so many times I fish a big bait, it's just looking for big fish is where in this case, it's simply matching the hatch. It's just simply making that bait that they're used to seeing, and that's what's going to create success. So slow things down, big bait, um, you're going to have a lot of opportunity. And, again, I would say that just as these fish are entering that post-spawn, we really have from now until, we'll say, June 2nd to 5th to 7th, somewhere in that first week of June uh, is when these fish will repair and regain all that weight that they've lost, um, and they're kind of entering what we'd call their summer patterns. But right now it's post-spawn spring patterns. Um, It is definitely the time to get out there for another, you know, three weeks, four weeks where these opportunities uh, really exist for these giant fish. And we're we're almost out of time, but I want to get to what's going on with tight line. But before I do, another reason big rods and heavier line is to not only handle the big baits, but you get a a, a forty inch pike bite down on a big stick bait. If you can't move that bait in its mouth, you don't get a hook set, and that he'll just open his mouth and let it go. You might even fight him for a few minutes, and he'll he'll get bored and open his mouth. So uh, a wimpy rod isn't going to get that hook set. You got to be able to move that bait in that fish's mouth. And Nate, we got about a minute left. What's going on with Tightline Outdoors as far as your activities, your guiding? Uh, do you have any updates for us? Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of stuff going on. You know, we've ran two catch rates now. We kind of adapted catch rate, which was formerly called league. Uh, we've really kind of changed how we're running it uh, just to make it kind of, uh, you know, legal with the social distancing and all the opportunities. So we were able to have two events in the last week. Uh, they went really good. Our next one's going to be on May 20th, so everybody kind of write that down. That's going to be for trout bass, walleye, and carp. Uh, So we're excited about that. And then as we start lifting regulations, as things start changing, um, again, we have 17 permits in Colorado to guide. Uh, Everything goes by counties and things like that. So it's a a longer answer that I can say on this, but we are in operations. Uh, So yes, feel free to give us a call and you're just going to walk us through what your goals are, what you're trying to do. We can tell you uh, what's going to be allowed and not allowed and places we can go and can't go uh, and all that kind of stuff. So again, uh, uh, yeah, feel free, you know, jump on our website, tightlineoutdoors.com. We'd love to talk to you about the opportunities that we can participate in right now, uh, the bodies of water that we are doing. Uh, and I can tell you that we are doing everything within our power to, to provide the, the best opportunities and the safest trips. So cleaning gear, cleaning equipment, uh, we're doing everything, uh, you know, in regards to, to keeping everybody safe and getting people out in the water and having a great time. 
And that is tightlineoutdoors.com, tightlineoutdoors on social media, and, of course, every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock right here. Thank you, my friend. We will talk to you again very soon. Thank you. Have a great day. You bet. Nate Zielinski. We're going to take a quick time out. We come back. Austin Parr is going to join us. We're going to talk about a lot of fishing around the area and all through Colorado. And Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't wish all the moms out there a happy Mother's Day tomorrow. Um, I was fortunate. I grew up in an outdoor family. My mom and dad had me out on the lake and out in the field almost every weekend. And it had a tremendous impact on my life. So uh, um, for those of you that still have your mom around, uh, remember to pay her some tribute uh, tomorrow. She probably... uh, had a good part of making you who you are today. So let's go right to the phones now. And joining us from Discount Fishing Tackle is Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. You know, before we even get started, I want to talk about fishing opportunities around the state, really, and in the metro area. Um, Your store, Discount Fishing Tackle, is located on South Santa Fe. Why don't you bring us up to date, because I know the regulations just recently changed. Have things changed for you? Absolutely. So today we are open finally down here. Uh, We are being in Denver. We're having to require everyone that comes in have a mask, but uh, we are open and limiting customers to, you know, 10 people in the store, but we are certainly happy to, uh, to have some people coming in today. I'll certainly tell you that. And um, we will talk more about that later in the second hour, because once we get done, people are going to want to stop and talk to you about the fishing opportunities we're going to talk about. And I know one that you wanted to highlight, you know, we talk about Cherry Creek and Chatfield, and we certainly want to talk about those today. But you mentioned that our Vada Reservoir is opening up. Tell people about that. I don't think we talk about it very much. It's an interesting body of water uh, located on the west side of town, kind of on the south end of Highway 93. Uh, it really offers some, some fishing opportunities that a lot of times are overlooked. It does have a boat inspection, and it's, uh, I believe it's a trailer list boating over there, but electric only. There's really nice smallmouth in that lake. There's decent walleyes, but then also really nice catfish opportunities as well. It is also stocked with trout and uh, was just recently stocked with trout, actually, just a few days ago. And uh, so it's really giving a, a really good opportunity uh, to get out and, and catch some fish for the kids, but then also giving opportunities to catch some fish that are larger. I mean, there's some really nice smallmouth in there and walleyes that can go over that six-pound mark at times. I actually fished that, this is years ago, but for largemouth and did quite well once. I don't know if the largemouth population is, is still in there, but I, I caught some smallmouth, but I got some really nice largemouth, but that would be probably 20 years ago. I haven't fished it in a while, I have to admit, but I don't know. But, boy, it was just a tremendous little body of water, and it was, you know, if you have a small, I think at the time I was using, uh, I don't think I had my big boat. I think I think I had a Coleman Crawdad out there and or, a, you know, or a, a kayak or something. That'd be a great lake. What about Aurora Reservoir? We, Yeah, uh, how about Aurora Reservoir? We talked, and I want to get to the others, but Aurora is another one. See, it comes around a little later in the spring. I would think things are probably just starting to happen there. Just starting to get going. So the thing about Aurora is that it's much deeper than a lot of the other bodies of water, particularly on the front range. You'll have areas that uh, approach 100 feet deep out there, and it's a very clear lake as well. So it's a lot different than a lake like Cherry Creek just a few miles away. But the walleyes tend to sit a little bit deeper in that clear water, 
But as of late, some blade bait activity has certainly been uh, being pretty darn effective, more your perch-style blade baits being that there aren't any gizzard shad in that lake like so many other bodies of water have. But uh, the perch bite has been picking up a little bit, and then the trout has still been doing well. So unlike some of these other bodies of water that are heating up a little bit faster, like Cherry Creek, uh, the, the, the main water temperature at Aurora still is a little bit down, and the trout action has been good. And the thing about the, the deep water out there is that it really bodes well for having fish sit in that deeper water and hold over through the summertime. So you don't have to worry about so much as far as a put-and-take fishery. You can get into some, honestly, trophy-sized trout at times out there. And trophy smallmouth, too, by the way. The state record yeah, smallmouth came out of there. I think it was around, was it around seven pounds or something? I can't remember right pounds. now. But it, yeah. Yeah, it was and a big, big fish. Not, and I, yeah. yeah. There's not a lot of smallmouth in that lake. Um, there's definitely, they're, they're difficult to catch. Unlike going to Chatfield where you can go and, and put 100 in the boat in short order at times, uh, those smallmouth will make you work for them out there, but you can certainly be rewarded uh, with some nice fish. If you know what you're doing, in largemouth too, if you know what you're doing on the bass there, in fact, um, somebody I know you know very well, Troy, Troy Coburn and I did a television show out there many years ago where we targeted those spring smallmouth, and I'm not sure we caught one that was under 14, 15 inches. We caught some just monster smallmouth. That is on my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, if you want to go look at that sometime, folks. But let's talk about some more of the other reservoirs too. And by the way, Aurora, you mentioned holdover trout and stock trout so it's it's going to be good action for everybody what about cherry creek and chatfield what are you hearing we're starting to fire up out there in a big way water temperatures are approaching that low 60 degree uh, range uh, and certainly having a lot of variance this time of year with the colder evenings and nights into the warmer afternoons but the walleye are, are the walleye bites really taking shape so at chatfield to start with here it's been an interesting year uh, without having the the nets on the dams a lot of people were catching a ton of fish early, and without the large number of shad that we've seen out there in the past, many of these walleyes have already taken up uh, their positions on structure points. So things like the roadbed and the edges of your gravel pits in the south end and your humps out in front of the marina all are holding fish right now. People are catching them on everything from the slow death rigs like we mentioned last time, but then the other thing that's really materializing quite well are the soft plastic swim baits. Things like walleye assassin swim baits and Berkeley ripple shads have been very, very effective out there. And uh, rolling those on those, uh, on those humps anywhere from 8 feet down to about 17. But the big key about these humps is that you're trying to find a rise that then has some deeper water associated with it. So having those, uh, those rises and, and locating those fish is going to be important. Uh, the bass, we're going to start seeing them spawn here generally quickly, and the action hasn't been ultra on fire for the bass, but tube jigs and Ned rigs have been picking up some fish. By the way, on that slow death rig, folks, if you go to my Facebook page, The Best of Fishing with Terry, and, and that's, my, that's my YouTube channel. If you go to my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, I wrote a column with Dan Swanson, professional walleye angler, on the slow death rig for the Denver Post. I have posted that on my Facebook page. It's down a few posts. It's called Sometimes You Just Have to Throw Up Your Arms because I was slow to adapt the the slow death rig, and I, I finally had to admit it's pretty darn good. So yeah, I have an article on my Facebook page. I tell you what, Austin, we're getting um, – we're getting close to a break and I want to spend some time kind of, we've kind of touched the metro area. And if you have a couple others you want to mention, but then go around the state, maybe with a few opportunities, the things loosen up. Can I put you on hold, come back and we'll cover some of the other things we've heard going around the state. Please. I'll look forward to it. 
All right, we'll put Austin on hold. We'll be back, and we'll touch more fishing opportunities on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. All right, we're gonna you're gonna keep playing Eagles till I regret that I can't go to that concert till next year now. But you know I still love their music. It's a you're it's a tough, tough conundrum here. Yeah, it is, but we'll play them. Like it too much. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going back to the phones. We're talking to Austin Parr from Discount Fishing Tackle and Parr's Guide Service about. We got done talking about some local opportunities. Austin, if there's any more you want to quick bring up, but then also I'd like to hear, you know, we have listeners all over the state. What are you hearing around other places of the state? Absolutely. So just a real quick mention, Cherry Creek's certainly getting going like Chatfield is as well. Fish are moving up on structure points and, and starting to do a lot of the same things we were talking about at Chatfield. Still a lead corp bites going out there as well. And I will mention that as far as the, the walleye bite is concerned, we do now have leeches with discount fishing tackle open today now on Saturday. So if anyone's looking for live bait, we are good on that front. But additionally, uh, as we're talking about uh, everything, and particularly on the Front Range and Eastern Plains, a lot of other things are starting to fire off right now. And, and the John Martin bite, if anyone's living in the southeastern part of the state right now, has been really starting to pick up in a pretty darn good way. So water temperatures down there are in the range of the low 60s, moving up towards 70 degrees in the later part of the day. Uh, the white bass action has been good with a few wipers mixed in. Swim baits like the walleye assassins that we talked about earlier have been really good. And then some of the, the saw guys and walleyes have been up into the trees later in the day, particularly in areas that the wind is blowing into. So up in there with weedless jigs and curly tail grubs and, and ripple shad, all have been effective. And then, then the trolling bite has been good out in the main basin as well. Uh, so all your different species are still suspended in some degree in the main basin. Uh, so catching everything from white bass to walleyes to crappies to, to wipers. Um, but then additionally, a lot of those species are up shallow too. So it's kind of an interesting time. You can catch them in all different ways down there right now. Well, you know, John Martin may be the premier warm water fishery in the state right now for just numbers. And before we move on to others, one comment I will make is that um, – Saw guys tend to be a little more aggressive and go a little shallower than walleyes. So if you're if you're used to fishing walleyes a little deeper, move up and go towards those shorelines and rock rocky banks and things a little more. Definitely. When you tend, you'll probably get multiple species down at John Martin. That's the cool part. I mean, you can go down there and you have the capability of you know even catching ten ten different kinds of fish in one day in certain certain circumstances. What about Pueblo? What have you heard there? Pueblo starting to fire off as well. So it has been pretty cool in the mornings, and it's been holding off the fish moving really shallow quite yet. I think we're really a week or so off of those fish moving shallow, which is kind of strange. We're a little bit behind schedule down there, it's seeming like. Uh, but some people are catching some smallmouth on uh, tube jigs and ned rigs up on those shallower flats, even some jerk baits still. But toward the west end of the lake, if you can figure out how to position a trolling presentation with a salmon hornet or a flicker shad just above the trees west of Turkey Creek, the walleye action has been pretty productive down there. So that certainly is, is a thought to, to be trolling and, and getting them down just enough so they're, they're either kicking the tops of the trees or just above them. Uh, you'll catch crappies and you'll catch walleyes doing that right now. But if you're, if you're still maybe a week or so out of being able to get down there and, and fish, Certainly changing your mindset as that water temperature continues to warm to going more shallow, 
throwing curly tail grubs tipped with crawlers, which is always a deadly technique, or live bait presentations pitched shallow. Even swim bait still can be productive. But all of those presentations are going to, to be picking up here as we move into the next week or so. You know, we're going to run out of time, but I want one more time to give you a chance to talk about all your operations, what's going on with the Discount Tackle and Park Guide Service. Tell people what's happening and how they can get a hold of you. Absolutely. So down at Discount Fishing Tackle, we're at 2645 South Santa Fe Drive, which is six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. We are now open today. So we are limiting uh, everyone to 10 people in the store. And and in Denver, it's required that everyone has a mask on down here. But we are more than welcome uh, and willing to talk to anybody about any kind of fishing application, whether you have questions, you need advice. I've got the tackle down here as well as live bait. So we're ready to rock and roll on that front uh, starting today. And then as far as guiding is concerned, we have been firing that up, as a lot of other guides have been as well. Uh, We're making sure to sanitize rods all the standard common surfaces and then doing the full-on mask wearing while we're guiding as well limiting uh, to two clients at a time but certainly looking forward uh, to getting out and and doing a lot of that it's uh, been certainly uh, quite quite some time and it's going to be really good to get out again and, and we're definitely happy to have folks in the store as well all right. My friend, you uh, hang in there through this. Hopefully business gets back to normal for everybody. And the one good thing is fishing license sales are up, so hopefully we can get help these people get out in the water and catch some fish. We're ready to go. We're happy to help down here, and I certainly appreciate you having me on, Terry. All right. Thanks, Austin. Austin Parr from Discount Fishing Tackle. We're going to take a time out, and we come back. Chad Lachance is going to join us, and he's going to talk about how hot the pond fishing up and down the front range is right now. One of my favorites, one of Chad's favorite, too, and there's a pond close to you where you can go do this. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You are digging through the archives, my friend, now. Yeah, little Richard passed away at 87 today. Oh, wow. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, and we will go right to the phones. I don't know if he's a little Richard fan or not, but I know he's a fan of fishing. Uh, from Fishful Thinker, Chad Lachance. Good morning, Chad. Well, good morning, Terry. How could you not at least be a fan of little Richard? I mean, come on. Yeah, that's uh when he started playing that, it's a, well, he's 87, a good long life. I guess if somebody gave me 87, I'd probably mail it in right now. But <laughs> Yes, sir, I think so. I think that's a fair trade. But I'll tell you what, in the meantime, uh, while we are still here of the earth, I think we need to get out and do some pond fishing, Terry, because uh, these days, man, it is absolute prime time. And we've had the reservoirs have been kind of up and down and around, and they're good in one day and bad the next day and good at night and, you know, whatever, but they're all over the board. But the ponds have been consistent, and uh, and you know if, you, if guys can hear this radio show, people can hear this radio show anywhere they can hear it up and down the front range. There are gravel quarries. One good thing we've got gravel quarry ponds all up and down, and the vast majority of them have pretty solid bass and pan fishing in them. And this is the time of year that it's about as good as it's ever going to get. So that's why I kind of wanted to chat about that a little bit today. Well, and it's a great topic, too, because we're seeing some pressure at some locations. In fact, we saw Union Reservoir close to some activities. I don't believe to fishing overall, but the Swim Beach and the Fishing Pier closed. We've seen Bear Creek and Soda Lake closed activities. And we just want to let people know that there's lots of opportunities to spread out and go do some fishing close to home. Uh, You and I know of a pond that's just a few blocks from my house that 
has produced some giant fish. And up and down the front range, there's there's ponds. In fact, I was out uh, just about a week and a half ago, and I posted on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, a whole bunch of panfish that I caught in ponds. But what are you seeing, and how do you approach it, Chad? Well, and you're right. They are up and down the whole area. No two ponds are the same. Uh, so you do, you know, you got to think it through a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's going to come down to this. Um, I'm looking for the hardest bottoms I can find. And so that somebody says, well, how do I know if I'm dealing with hard bottom situations? Um, if you can find a good sandy bottom anywhere near uh, an inflow, anywhere near some riprap, anywhere near some kind of of um, you know a, a bank that that appeared that's not growing cattails and bulrushes and stuff on it. Let's put it that way. You're going to be in the hunt. Now that's not to say the fish won't be in the cattails or around the cattails. They for sure will. But the ones that are going to be easiest to catch are going to be on the harder, clean bottom areas right now. And that's the first thing that I'm going to be looking for. The other thing I'm going to look for is all the new vegetation. I'm not talking about the old rotten stuff from last year. I'm talking about the fresh new. You know, it could be a lodia grass, could be could be cattails, could be, you know, buggy whips, whatever. But the freshest, greenest vegetation of the year that's coming up. And the ponds are just starting to really green up. And the fish will gravitate right away to that stuff. I mean, bass are real quick about how, you know, how fast they'll move into new habitat. And uh, and as soon as that those, uh, particularly the elodia patches start coming up, the bass will pile into those and be all around those because they'll hold bug life and everything else. So the edges of those can be fantastic places to fish because those edges tend to be where there's some sort of a bottom content change. And that can be really good. Any kind of a rock bank can be really good as well. Some of these will have riprap on one bank or the other, um, you know, broken concrete, something like that. Any kind of rock bank can be really good. And then the other thing I'm going to look for is any kind of hardwood cover. So like a lot of the ponds in Eastern Fort Collins had, had trees standing in them, uh, you know, around any of that hardwood, any lay down, any dock edge or corner, a culvert pipe, anything like that. I'm going to be looking for as well. And, the thing you can count on at this point is the fish are not going to be out in the deepest part of the pond. Most of the big bass and the big sunfish are going to be at least looking to come to the bank or be around the banks, and so they're going to be within casting range. So really I'm going to focus really hard on fishing angles to the bank, looking for a hard bottom, and fishing any edge or change I can find. Now, what are some of the presentations you really go to in this time of year? Well, for me, it's uh, it's not a cover water thing. I'm, I want to fish very thoroughly because right now I'm looking for the biggest fish I can find. This is the time of year to go looking for your five-pound largemouth or your big giant bluegills. And so for me, I'm going to fish thoroughly and fish very slowly. So I'm probably going to take something like a Maxton General, uh, which is a Senko-style bait. I'm going to fish it unweighted, and uh, and I'm going to fish it very slow. I'm going to let it go to the bottom and just barely drag that thing back. Uh, the beauty of that is you'll never snag it, and uh, and it's an easy way to, to get, you know, largemouth bass to bite. And 10 inches will bite it, and 10-pounders will bite it. So it's a good bait in that regard. It's five inches long, and it's very thorough. Um, that would be probably something I would go to right away. Maybe a small Texas rig, uh, you know, with a light, maybe a, a, a 16th or 8th ounce bullet sinker on it and a small worm of some sort, a 4, 5, 6-inch straight tail power worm or a little curl tail power worm will for sure get you bites. The one thing I caution people is if you start downsizing too much, you'll get tons of bites, 
but you also catch a lot of the average fish or the smaller than average fish in the lake because everybody's eating. So this is also the time of year that I'll tend to throw my, my bigger plastics in the ponds because I am looking for the biggest fish. And believe me, they're named for the size of their mouth, not the size of their brain. So, uh, you know, a, a six inch or seven inch rubber worm this time of year is a fantastic way to, to get bites. If it's windy, like it has been the last couple days, then I'll probably wind a, a spinnerbait around, a very classic spinnerbait, um, you know, maybe a quarter ounce to a half ounce spinnerbait and just let it go down and then just wind it back, you know, in the wind, but not doing anything crazy with it. But it's it, that's also a snagless bait, relatively inexpensive bait. So that's a really good choice. And a little beetle spin arm with a, or, or a larger than average beetle spin arm with some sort of a grub on it is a great all around bait because then you can get all kinds of stuff to bite. I would probably put a three or four inch Berkeley power grub on that and probably a quarter ounce weight and just want, you know, a quarter ounce jig head and just wind that thing back or do a little bit of a flutter to it. But I'm going to keep it real simple. Everything I'm going to carry is going to fit in one little tiny box and I'm going to focus more on where I throw it and how I move it than I am on changing baits 15 different times. Again, these fish are on the bank. They're ready to eat. It's more a matter of getting something in front of them without spooking it, spooking them and just being real thorough, you know, and, and Dave, first thing I'm going to grab is for sure going to be something real slow, real thorough and real weedless and I'm just going to concentrate on making good presentations with it. You know, you mentioned uh, Max and General, and uh, I like to fish those kind of baits quite a bit myself. I find myself in the shad-based lakes reaching for a light, uh, a white one or a shad-colored one. But when I'm fishing the ponds, or even a lot of lakes that I know that, that have a lot of panfish in them, I'll go to something that has maybe more bluegill colors in it. What do you do? I'm I'm for you. I'm I'm all for that. Uh, you know, some kind of a cinnamon purple color, uh, and that Mexican's available in a bunch of natural colors. And uh, some kind of a cinnamon purple color is a good one. Uh, a black and blue is a good one. Uh, they've got some that's a little bit of an orange tint to it that's good. And of course, if all else fails, grab a green pumpkin one and throw it around because you're going to be in the ballpark. Or even just a black one uh, can be really good as well. But yeah, I'm going to go to the darker colors, probably on average in the ponds. And, uh, and you're right, uh, I will for sure go to, to some of them that are more of a whiter, silvery color in shad-type situations. Like, for instance, if I was going to be at Boyd Lake, I'd probably throw a silvery one, a, a, you know, a shad or white-colored one uh, because of all the shad in there. But, yeah, I would for sure go with a darker, more natural color or more bluegilly, panfishy-type color uh, in the ponds. And then speaking of the, the bluegills and panfish, uh, you know, we've got a lot of fly fishermen in Colorado, and we're supposedly not able to go up into the mountains and do our thing up there. Well, this is a fantastic time to take your little wet flies out in a fly rod, a three or four weight, and uh, and throw flies around for catching panfish. And if you're a little bit more adventurous, then get, you know, get your six, seven, maybe even an eight weight out and some huge flies and throw those on the banks for bass. Uh, I don't think it's quite popper season yet. I mean, you can get some bites on the surface, but for me it's going to be something like a deceiver or a big clouser minnow, something like that, a big giant leech pattern, and, uh, and drag that around. Really good opportunity for the fly guys that don't want to travel to the mountains. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, we don't have time to get in depth, but I will mention before I let you go that the panfish, if you don't have the patience for the bass, because sometimes even this time of the year big bass, can take a little more patience. The panfish are biting in a, gosh, a little a little jig with a a, a, a gulp minnow or a gulp a leech or a gulp waxy on it, or a uh, uh, under a bobber or just cast with light line will get you panfish in almost all these ponds right now. Oh yeah, for sure. A, a little, you know, the easiest way. Let's say you got Junior with you. 
the easiest way, in my opinion, is to, to take a little, uh, a little small bobber, not too big, hang about, you know, 18 inches to maybe three feet underneath it with a real light little jig head and a little gulp, uh, you know, a little pinched crawler, just a little piece of some kind of piece of gulp. I mean, it could be any one of the one inch minnows all the way up, uh, little red worms, uh, anything like that. Little leeches, like you said, just let that thing drift along in the breeze. Let it go right down any of the edges you can find or blow right down a bank or, or even throw it out in the deep water and let the breeze blow it back in on the bank that you're standing on. But any of those will for sure get flushed a lot. And you don't ever know what you're going to get. Last time I did that, I got a pretty nice channel cap that came up and ate, ate the bait. So you just never know what you're going to get. You don't have to get your hands all dirty with worms and all that. Uh, any kind of a little piece of gulp will for sure get bites. And if you want to make sure you get lots of bites, that little gulp maggot hanging underneath there, uh, do a string of two of them in a row and let that hang underneath there and you'll catch bluegill so your arms fall off. You bet. Hey, we got to go. Fishfulthinker.com if people want more information. Yes, sir, or any social media app, Fishful Thinker, YouTube included. All right. We will talk to you very soon. We need to get out and fish, my friend. It's time. It's time. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. The lake's coming around. We'll talk about that one next time. All right. Thanks, Chad. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Chad. Chad LaChance. Chad LaChance, Fishful Thinker. We're going to wrap things up. A couple quick notes I want to make. We did have some closures. Um, Union Reservoir closed some of its activities. I don't have the full list. And so did Bear Creek and Soda Lake. And the reason they did was that there was people were overcrowding and not following social distancing. Now, uh, I said earlier, I don't want to preach on this, but, you know, we don't want to close more facilities. And I've been told by multiple entities that they want to keep things open. They want people out there. They want to encourage people to use the outdoors, but they don't have the personnel because of funding is down right now to manage it if it gets overcrowded. So let's uh, use a little common sense. If something's really busy, go somewhere else. If it's uh, if you can't do something appropriately, then do a different activity. That's all we'll say. But speaking of appropriately, um, uh, one of the most inappropriate guys I know is probably sitting in the studio right now, and that's uh, Dan Jacobs. Good morning, Dan. Good morning. And you can take shots at me. I just love listening to the show because we have Chad LaChance, who is the fishful thinker, and then we got... Terry Wickstrom, who's the wishful fisher. So it's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, you used that one already. You need new material. All right, I'm sorry. I got distracted this week. I was looking at all those pictures uh, that you didn't post of you with other people's fish. Oh. <laughs> hey, the Broncos schedule came out. What do you think? There's going to be a tough start to the season. Well, the whole thing's tough. Um, I am the only one in the Denver media saying that the Broncos are a lock to make the playoffs. The schedule made me a little bit queasy. But here's what we know. Um, it looks tough now. There will be two or three teams that do nothing. Uh, they don't perform at all like we expect them to. So I think the Broncos are going to be fine. They're going to be two or three games better than they were last year, and they're going to make the playoffs. Well, my, my biggest fear is because the beginning of the schedule is, I think, tougher than the end, If you depending on how you feel about the division games. And I think if they can just hang in there, because you've got a lot of new guys are going to start. You're going to be putting in systems without mini camps. I think I, I'm optimistic the Broncos are going to be a much better team at the end of next year than the beginning of this year, end of the year. And so if they can just hold their own through some of those games, I think they have a great shot. Yeah, they'll be in the playoffs. The, the, the unfortunate part is they're going to have as many playoff wins as you caught fish this week. So that's not so encouraging. You can't, you can't win 100 playoff games. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, not talking about the fish, have- I'm not talking about the fish Karen caught. You gotta, I'm talking about yours. Hey. 
you have a good show regardless of your lousy attitude, okay? <laughs> Thanks, Coach. <laughs> All right. Yeah, remember, you owe me your career. You know that. Yes, you made my bowling career what it is today, out of business. Yeah, I also made you the man you are today, and I don't know if I want to take credit for that. Right. All right. All right, Dan, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next week. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and Dan Jacobs and sports on 104.3 The Fans.